Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. You're listening to a new The Hacker Factory podcast with hacker maker Philip Wiley. You're about to discover what the role of a professional hacker entails, the different specializations it holds, and what it takes to learn and become one. Enjoy the conversation as Philip and guests unveil the secrets of professional hacking, a mysterious, intriguing, and often misunderstood occupation. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Hacker Factory Podcast. I'm your host, Philip Wiley. In this episode, I have Josh Mason joining. Josh and I know each other from the cybersecurity community, um, met online, and we've been connected for, for several years now, but we got to meet for the first time at Wild West Hacking Fest. Uh, it's really great to have Josh on. Josh does a lot to mentor and help others get started in the cybersecurity industry. So today I'm very excited to have you on the show. Welcome, Josh. Thanks for joining. Hey, thanks for having me, Philip. It's great to finally uh, be on here. Yeah, it's great to have you on. Been wanting to have you on for a while, and I appreciate you promoting the show. I know you're a big fan and always sharing comments and sharing the show, so I really appreciate the support. And as I mentioned earlier, it was great great to finally get to meet you in person. Yeah, uh, it was a pleasure, and I'm looking forward to the next time we get to hang out. Yeah, same here. Hopefully more often this year. So how is your how is your new year going so far? It's going really good. Um, just started at a new job where um, getting my hands dirty again and uh, some pen testing and some engagement management and probably going to build out some courses. So really, uh, really shaping up well. Oh, awesome. That's great. I just totally didn't miss. I thought you were still at the previous company, I guess I was missing out on. Okay, cool. You'll have to yeah, yeah. you'll have to share that that new opportunity. So where, where are you well, going or what are you doing now? So, yeah, uh, I today is, I think, week four at Nuvic Solutions, where um, my role is a cybersecurity instructor. But uh, I've kind of come over here for uh, an opportunity with a client to build out some cyber range stuff uh, based off of they've got some specific needs for their growing pen red team. Uh, but our specialties over here are uh, red teaming, purple teaming, uh, pen testing, both cloud and app and uh, network infrastructure. And then um, we've got a, a risk management side as well to kind of take that red team pen test and actually put meat on the bones of it. So, okay, we found all these things. Now, what are you going to do about it? We can help walk uh, the client uh, through remediation, coming up with policies, putting things in place, figuring out solutions. Um, that's our expertise there. And uh, I'm going to be kind of putting my hands in a, a bunch of different parts of the uh, the company. But yeah, it's kind of neat. That's, that's a good thing. Congrats again. That's I, d- I wasn't catching on when we ha- we're having our conversations. I guess I, to- I just totally overlooked that, but that's great. That's, that's good. good. Yeah, nice. that's good. You get to leverage the skills. And one of the things for the people listening out there too is it, when I first started this show, I was mainly bringing on people that worked, you know, as red teamers or pen testers, bug bounty hunters and so forth. But as a lot of other projects I do, I realized that, that we need information on other all other areas of security. And one of the things I really, we really need to get the, the word out there because what happens so many times mm. is people think the only way to get in or the only job they hear about is pen testing. And there's a lot of other cool roles out there that are great. And some of them may not be necessarily 
really deep in the weeds technical. I mean, if you've got good communication skills like yourself, you know, if you're would be a good project manager, there's all sorts of opportunities out there that that you can go for that sometimes aren't as often sought after as the pen testing roles. So it's oh, really yeah. good to share those. And so it's good good to have you on and, and and discussing the the type of role you're in now because that way it just shows people some other other options outside of just being a pen tester. Not that I ever try to discourage people from it, but I know as well you know, as well as I do from all the people that reach out to you for mentoring and, oh, yeah. and guidance on getting started that a lot of people want to be red teamers. They want to be pen testers and, and, yep. and that's what they get their, their heart set on, but they really don't realize what the other options are out there. Yeah. Uh, I think we probably both get a, a lot of that. A lot of people who show up saying, Hey, I, I want to learn pen testing. You've got the pen tester blueprint uh, and um, you help set me up at INE, uh, build out pen tester student. So we kind of have that label to us, but um, as we've discussed, there's uh, some other specialties that we've uh, acquired just through, you know, other side roles that we're not just pen testers. Um, I've never actually just been a pen tester. It's uh, it's kind of a neat part of my background. Yeah, it's just a good lesson for people to keep an open mind because, you know, as you develop these skills in your career, sometimes you don't realize these skills that you have. And mm -hmm. for me, like the conference speaking thing or doing podcasts or anything like that would have been difficult for me. But whenever they were announcing our call for papers at our local B-Sides conference or B-Sides DFW mm -hmm. conference back in 2013, the person that was announcing the call for papers said the best career or best job he had of his career was... Uh, because he spoke at conferences, the company mm -hmm. liked that he spoke at conferences. And when I heard that, I went out and si signed up for Toastmasters. So yeah. that really got me, I got my courage to speak and it opened up a lot of other doors that if I would have just, if I would have ignored that and started on, you know, kept on my career, I would probably just be just pen testing, being bored with what I do. You know, I would be more thinking about when am I going to retire? Not saying I would hate it, but just, it just, I don't think. You know, you just kind of have to find what yeah. your niche is, you know, your calling, I guess. Totally. Um, you know what pen testing is like. You know how you think and how you feel about these things. And um, I, it's not a hit against the job. I think it's a great understanding of what you like to do and where you like to be. And I think you um, made a great leap, that, uh, not leap, but a great move there to move towards that more. And I think a lot of us have benefited from being able to, to hear your talks and um, turning that talk into your book uh, helped out a lot of people. So I'm thanks. glad you did it. <laughs> well, thanks. Well, one of the biggest things I've learned and, you know, you, you're never too old to learn. It's funny how, you know, I'm 57 years old and I'm still learning stuff and, you know, mm -hmm. no one knows everything, but even some of the simple things that you think you should have learned. And one of the things I kind of, when I started teaching, put my effort into that. One of the things I just kind of figured out is I really need to learn to take roles and do things that plays towards my strength because in something you're passionate about, if you're passionate about it and you have strengths in those areas, it's going to, it's going to be a little easier for you and easier for you to excel in that area. Oh yeah. So for those that may have not heard, heard of you, uh, why don't you share kind of your background, kind of how you got started out? You have a, an interesting background. I mean, nowadays, it's a, I would say probably less traditional at one time, more of my generation and older, it was a more typical type of, uh, you know, path, but mm -hmm. 
but yeah, it's definitely, definitely good to share because we have listeners from all different backgrounds. And and I think that would be very helpful for people to know kind of where you got your start in your career. Yeah. So, um, uh, I've always been in interested in tech. Uh, my dad was a network engineer growing up. And so we had computers and I remember all the different types of modems and we had them all. Uh, I remember when AOL was new. Um, and I, I don't know, I got raised up in that, which was kind of neat. I didn't necessarily have an interest uh, in it as a profession. Uh, in high school, someone convinced me that I could go to the Air Force Academy and become a pilot. And I was like, okay. And I bit onto that, followed my dream. And I went and flew C-130s for a few years, several years um, with the United States Air Force. And then... Um, some family stuff changed and shifted roles and the air force asked me, what would you like to do? And they, uh, they put me into cybersecurity and I went through uh, boot camp, uh, well, not boot camp, cyber school, uh, down at Keesler air force base back in 2017. And, uh, a lot of it was stuff I had been doing in my side roles. Uh, but now with a deeper focus on the technical aspects and this being my primary duty of focusing on infrastructure, information security and communications, and then went and worked at the Air Force Special, or uh, sorry, the First Special Operations Communications Squadron at Hurlburt, and was in charge of training for our 300, 400 um, communications and infosec troops, and uh, the quality assurance over their training, uh, the different uh, testing that they were doing across the, the network, um, and coming, building up those uh, programs. And then my heart's been in teaching. It's always been in teaching. Before I wanted to be a fighter pilot, I wanted to be a music teacher because I was in music and I wanted to be a teacher. Um, and uh, then once I got to the Air Force Academy, I, I kind of wanted to be a philosophy instructor yeah, as like an additional thing if I could. And then when you're a pilot, uh, the top, thing that pilots do in the air force is become instructors and then evaluators. So it was kind of a natural growth thing there. And then finally, once I started getting into cyber, I was like, I kind of want to teach this stuff. And I got the opportunity, uh, 2018 to go over to the special operations school and started teaching. I had my primary job be teaching and it was, it was wild built out some courses there. And then, um, my time at the air force came to an end and I got the opportunity come up to Maryland and start teaching the, uh, some DOD folks, uh, at the cyber crime center, the cyber training Academy, and then was able to jump over to I and E build out pen tester student. And, uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. My last gig was as a sales engineer, which, uh, was actually a lot of partner enablement, which is again, just teaching and utilizing the tool and showing that off. Uh, there's, could go on for quite a while on how uh, sales uh, engineering and solutions management is just like teaching, but um, I've written about it a little here and there. But yeah, that's that's me. That's now good. I'm at Nuvic Solutions. Getting to do and it, and it's great to see you're, you're a great example of, you know, someone that's in their career and they find out these other strengths and they go in that direction, try something. You know, one of the, the things that can be kind of scary sometimes, and I think it's kind of can limit people's careers. And I've been guilty of this is to cling to something, you know, you've something, you mm -hmm. know, and really love and you're kind of scared to, to move on because one of the things I see a lot of other pen testers do, there's other people that have been doing this, you know, 
as long as me or maybe a little bit longer that I wanted to stay technical and move into management. And sometimes you limit your career opportunities and, and salary possibilities because as you get older or you've been in the field a certain amount of time, if you're going to make more money, sometimes you have to move into to management or other areas to advance your career. Yep. Yeah. And that's uh, a little bit of where I've been. I've been an individual contributor since uh, basically since the special operations school, but now I'm uh, getting to a point where I get to build out some teams um, with some of the projects we have here. And I've did a a bit of managing teams when I was at the comm squadron. And then uh, I've worked several interns and volunteers at uh, Cyber Supply Drop and New Village. And that's been uh, very worthwhile. A lot of that influenced um, from what I saw people like you yourself and Neil and um, Gerald Osher and others in the community doing and kind of realized, hey, I I know some stuff I can pass things forward. Uh, If people don't know about you and the uh, other people out there who are trying to help and the other resources that are out there, then it's easy to pass along that info. And now it's become... Uh, a big hobby of mine. <laughs> That's good. That's awesome. What what you're doing with the cyber supply drop and ensuring all the information, because one of the, the things that's important. And for those listening that think, Oh, I'm just getting started in this, or I can't help people, but sharing resources, just like you mentioned, not mm-hmm. only sharing courses, you know, of that are, are good or different websites, different platforms. It's just other people that are content creators that are good. Because one of the things that, Vivek, the founder of Pentester Academy, shared a post a while back on LinkedIn, which I think there's a lot of value to, is he said, you have to be careful for the, of the content that you consume because just mm. because it's on Udemy or YouTube doesn't make it you know, accurate content. And so be able to find those good resources. That's one of the things that I've shared with students and people I've mentored is you know, find some reliable resources because it's hard to vet that. If you don't have that experience, it's hard yeah. to vet whether it's legit or not. And someone could be barely any experience at all and not that they're trying to mislead people, but maybe Mm -hmm. they misunderstood. They're not sharing the information correctly, you know, when they're creating courses and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot out there. Um, And uh, there's things that we might've recommended in the past that we don't recommend now. Um, There's things that people have different opinions on, uh, but like, it doesn't make them one better than the other. It's just, you've got different opinions. So though, I think the more voices that are sharing, um, the more viewpoints someone can get, the more informed they are before they make a, an investment of their time or their money. Um, and I, I think your program here is super helpful. You've got, uh, dozens of these where people share like what training they've gone through. Uh, if they're hiring, then they think about what, what they look for in people that, uh, you know, apply to work for them. And that's super valuable to then for the new people to then be able to decide, okay, well, I'll spend my time. I'll spend my effort. I'll spend my money over here. Yeah, that, that, that's uh, great advice. And, and one of the things I'm just kind of curious about, since one of the, one of the nice things, uh, based on your experience, you've worked in several different areas, teaching, you know, teaching while mm-hmm. you're in the military, teaching for I and E, you know, you spend mm-hmm. a lot of time teaching, and then also trying to learn, you know, because as you were going through creating that pen tester student course, going through revising that and updating it, I'm sure you mm-hmm. learned a lot from that. So 
do you have any recommendations for learning? Because, you know, you've got all this different content, but what are some good tips that you have that are just general uh, learning tips that make it easier for people trying to learn some of these complex uh, concepts? Yeah. Um, thank you. Uh, I was not a great student in high school. Um, I just kind of went to class, uh, did the homework, worked on the projects, turned stuff in. I was a B plus, uh, A minus student. And it, it hurt me when I tried to go to the Air Force Academy because they don't really take B plus, A minus students. So I had to spend a, a year going to prep school and community college, um, really focusing on SATs and ACTs and learning how to learn. Um, and one of the things that we did at prep school was every day you had 20 vocab words that you had to learn. And it was, uh, word for word, uh, punctuation perfectly. Um, you had to go through these vocab words and, uh, Mrs. Derbeck, the, one of the people who runs the school would get up on in front of the 88 of us that were there and say off a word. And we would write down the definitions and then we would pass it to the person next to us. And we did this every single morning with a new 20, 20 words. And once we got to 200 words, then uh, it was a, a longer spiel where we would all stand up and they'd go around the room individually. And it'd be like, all right, Josh, uh, what is Zephyr? And that one's a gentle breeze. Um, it was the last vocab word. So it's really the only one I remember. Um, it's also how we, uh, it's like a signed countersign for people who went to uh, Northwestern prep. But um, give that one away. But then they'd go around the room. And if you got it wrong, you sat down. And it was like, well, I don't want to be the guy who sits down. And so then it's, okay, how do I learn these? For me, it was writing them out. I'd write like the the word and the definition out like five times, like, and make sure it was perfect. And then I'd put it on a note card. And then I'd go through my note cards. And if I mess one up, I'd move it over here. If I got it right, I'd move it over there. And then once I messed up, I'd go through again. And I do that about five times. And then once I had them all good five times, I was like, I don't need to study this anymore today. Um, and I carried that over and did that at the academy. I did that at pilot training. It's uh, being able to rote memorize some things makes life a lot easier because then you're not having to be like, okay, what was, what was that exactly? Um, what is port 22? What is port 21? Um, what is three, three, eight, nine? Uh, if you took the time to memorize those, then later you can free up those brain bites to focus on more important things. So memorizing, uh, some of the, uh, crucial information initially can be really, really helpful. And if people don't even know what a port is, okay, let's go find those out. There's free methods. There's some paid methods. Some people want a, a boot camp that really spells it out for them. And um, one of the things we did with Pentester Student was if you understand what a port is, if you're up to that point, if you get that there's a CIA triad, then you can take this course and it'll teach you the tools and the mentality so that then you could if you approached a company to be a junior penetration tester and you were able to regurgitate the knowledge and the skills from that, you'd be ready to go. And a lot of that was uh, working with Alexi, who runs a pen testing company, and Neil, who's been a pen tester. And uh, I took input from other courses I've seen, from uh, speaking to folks like yourself. And um, I, I feel like we built out a, a good course there. There's others that work perfectly fine. I know you used to teach uh, Pentester Stu or Pentest Plus. 
at Boston, uh, Dallas College. Um, yes. And I imagine you added some more to that uh, with your own experience on top of the courseware. Um, there's always the offensive security. There is CEH for just the, the knowledge. I think they're working on more hands-on. So there's there's a lot of ways to, to learn this stuff. Um, looking for what someone can't afford and what they want to spend their time on is difficult. Uh, I know one of the things you often ask people here is, is it worthwhile to get a certificate and um, to go out and do specific training to get a specific cert? And I think there is value to having the cert in that you, when you are applying for a job, you're competing against someone else. Um, there's rarely a chance where you're the only one going up there and they're like, okay, you look good. We will take you. Often it's, uh, we've got you, we've got like 20, we've got 300, we've got a thousand other applicants. And if you want to show off, then certs, degrees, those are going to help. Um, I mean, if you just think about it from the hiring manager perspective, I've got all these people. If these people have certs, if these people have degrees, like, would I spend more time looking at those than at the other applicants? But I think one of the things that you and I tend to do. And one of the things I preach heavily is that, uh, you can kind of cheat the system. You can hack the application process. If you can have a brand, if you can show, uh, people in the community that you know, some things that you know how to do things, if you've got skills, then people will turn to you. So the job at INE, we had already talked, you approached me knowing that I could teach and that I was interested in that. And, um, that helped get me in the door. The, my current job, someone connected me, uh, one of our other influencer friends, um, another leader in the community connected me to the CEO over here and said, Hey, you should talk to Josh. That was it. It was, you should talk to Josh, not anything else. And then we connected and, uh, he offered me the job essentially. Um, with, after meeting everyone else and going through due diligence, making sure that I was actually legit, but that was, none of that was going to happen if people didn't know who I was. If you didn't know me and what I was able to do through teaching, I put out some videos, I built a try hack me room. Um, I've done several things. So you had trust in reaching out to me and, uh, recommending me, or at least knowing that when the job was available, that I might be a good fit. And people don't have that if, you know, they sit in their offices, sit in their rooms and do all this stuff in a bubble. So the certs, the degrees, they might help boost your resume. But what's, I think, even more valuable is having a brand, being known for something and having people trust you. I think trust is huge. Yeah, I highly agree with those words you're saying and the branding and the networking piece because, and yeah, it's just kind of funny, all the, pretty much all the jobs I've received over the past five years or, so, or more have been, typically mm -hmm. it's because someone I know works there, someone, you know, recruits me. I mean, uh, when I worked at Psycognito, uh, I reached out to the chief strategy and growth officer there. I had an interview with her at when she was at Cenac in 2020 mm -hmm. and I noticed that she had just, you know, 
shit started the job in August, but I wasn't noticing this until October, November. Sent her a message of congratulating her. And that's another thing that I think's big. One of the things I see you do is interacting with your network. You know, you just don't connect and leave it alone. You have to kind of mm-hmm. keep those relationships going and interact. You know, it's one of the things Gary V says to mm-hmm. interact with with your connections. He says fan base, but I really like to say network because I really don't consider people fans. But, yeah. you know, one of the things too is interacting. So when I reached out to congratulate her, she said, you know, are, are you interested in, in a job here? And so mm-hmm. I got my foot in the door there. Otherwise, and it was working on a marketing team starting out. I didn't have the marketing background. If I would have just went and applied for that same job somewhere else, I may have not gotten it because I didn't have the in the the marketing background. So as you said, you know, the brand, yeah. the networking, that is the the secret weapon right there is that combination because you could be the best in the world. You could be, and mm. I know that would be hard to find the best hacker, the best blue teamer in the world. You could right. be the very best, but if no one knows who you are. It's going to be hard to get you in front of the people that are hiring. And it's like you get past the right. HR firewall when you know people. Yeah. Um, I, I'm curious about your take. Um, I've got a take. Some people say it's not fair. And I'd have to agree. It's not fair that like connections can sometimes trump like potential. A lot of people say, well, I've got the potential, so they should have hired me for that. What's, I think it's, uh, you got to play the best hand that's available. And these are things that anyone can do. Definitely. And like they say, you know, life's not fair and it's just, you have to get out there. And I share this with a lot of people that I really push, you know, branding, I definitely agree with and push that. But the main thing I tell anyone is you got to network, you got to work on your network and maybe it's not fair, but it's like, I tell a lot of people that I share that advice with, you know, there's people out in the industry that are a lot better than me, but I'm getting opportunities because I'm out there. People know who I am. It's like, if you're an actor or a comedian and you just really hadn't taken off, you just hadn't been discovered yet. Maybe you're more talented than these people that are making millions of dollars a year, but you don't get, discovered it's like any other business you just have to get your your name mm-hmm. out there and and uh one of the things too like you know just kind of seeing what you do and and what you advise other people because i know one of the people that that you were advising and he's really taken off as far as his brand is like david meese mm-hmm. you know like david yeah. was you know a little over a year ago or so i think that guy only had like a year a little over a year ago had like 500 followers now he's got over yep. Yeah, fifty something. Yeah. yeah, a lot yeah. of followers, but and he's getting opportunities, and and yeah, the, the, it may not seem mm-hmm. fair, but one of the things like you when you mentioned earlier about the resumes and stuff, if you got these certifications, one of the things you're doing is you're making it easier for the hiring manager to find a person. They don't have yeah. time to read every resume in depth. They look for stuff like certifications, degrees, all these different key points. They can kind of sort things, and these people mm-hmm. have these pluses. They put it over here, but then if it goes even further going to show that the soft skills, your personality, mm-hmm. people skills all play a part. One of the biggest things with the networking piece is more really the people skills, knowing what kind of person you are, because sometimes technical people can be impatient. They can be difficult to deal with. Uh, I used to work at this company really it was technically one of my first infosec jobs, but I really don't count it as much because I was working tech support for a company that we had some appliances, Linux appliances that ran checkpoint firewall and VPN. 
And we mm-hmm. also had like a vulnerability scanner. We had this guy that was a very brilliant, very sharp guy. But when he got on the phone with customers, I've seen him berate them and just be so negative towards them. Super sharp. But that's the thing is he didn't have the people skills. Yeah. And if people knew how he was with customers, that would limit his opportunities. So that's one of the things that people have to consider too. It's not all about just your technical skills, although you need that, mm-hmm. but you need to consider the soft skills too, the people skills. It's it's an interesting mix, uh, especially once you've been in for a while, like where we're at, the soft skills are crucial. Uh, a lot of what I'm doing in my role, a lot of what you do in your role, um, you need to understand the technical, but we're not going to be spending 90, 100% of our time like on the Linux console making a tool work. But we do need to understand how that tool works. And for every once in a while, if there's something new that comes up, if there's a new exploit, if there's a new operating system, if there's a new system, we have to be able to work with it. Otherwise, we could spin tails all day long. But if they don't apply and actually make that connection to the technical folks and what's actually happening, then it's also worthless. So it's a tricky because we got to stay on top of learning new things uh, in both the soft skills and the hard skills. Very cool. So we're getting down towards the end of the show. Is there anything you'd like to share before we end this episode? Um, I'd like to share, uh, if you're interested in what I've been saying, feel free to follow me. I'm most active on LinkedIn. Uh, I would gladly help uh, point you in the right direction if you've got any questions about where to get going in cybersecurity. If you want uh, another perspective on top of Phillips, uh, I'm here as well, uh, though we agree on, I think, 99% of all things. Um, and uh, also, I've got Cyber Supply Drop, where I uh, people have donated um, free training vouchers, and uh, I run giveaways and also find opportunities to team up with other people for giveaways so that new people who don't necessarily have the resources themselves can get that training. And so follow me on uh, LinkedIn and Twitter and uh, Joshua17SC, and we'll help you out. And we'll be sharing in the show notes uh, Josh's social media contacts as well as a link to his uh, Cyber Supply Drop organization. Thanks, so thanks again for thanks joining, for Josh. It, it was great to finally have you on. Have you on. It was good to catch up and and uh, learn a little more details about your, your background that I didn't know. So thanks. Thank you. Thanks, everyone, and we'll see you on the next next episode. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Hacker Factory podcast with Philip Wiley. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share ITSBmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.